As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This clear statement of Joshua in today's first reading comes in the context of God giving the land of, of the promised land to the Israelites after they had, pro- they had crossed the Jordan, giving them victory over all the peoples that live there. God had promised that he would give this land to them. They crossed the Jordan, and God had been fighting battles for them. They'd been having military victories over and over again. And right before Joshua dies, he calls the people of God to repentance and to faithfulness to God because he knows that if they're not faithful to God, they will not be strong enough to destroy their enemies. In other words, their enemies will destroy them. It is only in covenant faithfulness that they will be able to conquer their enemies and to take possession of the land that God has given to them. And this is the context in which he's renewing the covenant with the people. And so in this covenant ceremony, Joshua says this. He says, if it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today who you will serve. The gods of your fathers that you serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose country you are now dwelling. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is saying, this is the choice before you. Fidelity to God who has crushed your enemies, who has saved you so that you can take possession of the land, or infidelity, which means not taking possession of the land. Now, it's really interesting that the, the Hebrew word to serve is avad, which means both to work and to worship. What he's essentially saying is he's calling Israel to worship God, the Yahweh, not the gods that they served before their conversion, before they came into the covenant, and certainly not the gods of the people in which they're living. He's calling them to serve God because God is the one that deliberated, liberated them. God is the one that loves them, and he's promising this land for them. In just a way, in, in, in just Uh, how this applies to us is that in baptism, right, we have been saved from our enemies, sin and death. God has saved us for freedom to live with him in the promised land. And so the land is ours. He's given this to us as a gift. That is, that promised land is heaven. But we need to choose today in every day of our life to worship God and God alone. Because if we choose to fall into idolatry, of the gods of our former way of life before our conversion, or we choose to worship the gods of our surrounding culture, we might not have enough strength to make it and take possession of the promised land. And so because of that, I wanna offer five ways of knowing that you're on the right track, or five ways of knowing that you are worshiping and serving the, the living God. Number one, you have a habit of personal prayer and you attend Sunday Mass. Very simple and straightforward. In many ways, I can say that there's nothing more predictive of someone in the throes of temptation to idolatry than not praying on a regular basis. If we do not pray, we do not have a relationship with God. If we do not pray, we can't know him. If we do not pray, we can't worship him. And nature abhors a vacuum. If God is not enthroned in our hearts and praying to him, something else is going to come into the vacuum not unlike what's happening in Afghanistan. It's important for us to realize that prayer is a way way by which we commune with God, that we truly offer sacrifice to him. And so it goes with Sunday Mass as well. I mean, we know this as Christians, but Sunday Mass is a commandment of the Lord. 
God commands us to worship him on Sunday. And sometimes I've said this before, that if we're not coming to Mass on Sunday, we're worshiping something else. Something else, some good that we love has been placed above God. And that means that we're likely forgetting the fact that we're on our way to the promised land. We're forgetting the fact that God has given us the land, right? We, we forget where we're going, and that's one of the reasons why we, we sometimes are tempted not to worship God on Sunday. Sometimes when we choose not to worship God on Sunday, it might be an indication that we're trying to place our trust in something else, in someone else. We're trying to, trying to place our trust in money or, or control or the situations of our life or comfort or whatever it is. But God is calling us to fidelity. Now, I know that for most of you, this is not an issue. This is not an issue for you to, to pray every day or have a regular habit of prayer. It's not an issue for you to show up for Sunday Mass. So if that's you, praise God. But I, I know for some of you, this is an issue, right? This is a real battle in, in your heart. And I want to encourage you. It's a battle worth fighting. It's a battle worth showing up for. Because it's about understanding your identity and remembering who it is that we're worshiping, the God who has saved us, that we owe him everything, and that our fidelity to him is the best means by which we know we can take possession of the land that he has given to us. So that's number one. Number two, number the second way in which you can know you're serving the Lord or you're on the right track is that faithfulness to God's law is more important to you than what other people think about you. Faithfulness to God's law is more important to you than what other people think of you. One of the surest ways and easiest ways to fall away from God is to care more about what people think than what, about what God thinks. To put it another way, then one of the surest ways for us to, to compromise in our relationship with God is to care more about what our friends, our family, our coworker, maybe even our classmates think about us than we care about how what God thinks about us. And once the opinions of others are more important than our commitment to God, it's very easy for us to compromise in our faith. And as a priest, this is one of the, the ways in which I see people fall away from God more, the most. People get excited about their faith. They, they experience God. They want to follow him. And then they begin to see that the people around them do not have the same commitments. They don't have the same commitment to God. And so they get challenged. Maybe they get made fun of a little bit. Maybe they get mocked. Or maybe they get resisted. And what begins to happen is they begin to say, well, maybe I really don't believe what the church teaches. I don't really believe what the Bible teaches. You know, maybe Christianity is wrong. Or maybe God is wrong. Maybe the Bible is wrong. And we begin to pull back in our relationship with God. But for those of us who are on the right track, we, we know that this is a temptation. That ultimately speaking, it's that we need to be faithful to God, that God's law is more important. What he thinks about us is more important than what everyone else thinks about us. So that's number two. Faithfulness, faithfulness to God, God's law is more important to you than what others think about you. Number three, you refuse to allow the world to dictate to you what is most important in life. One way you know you're on the right track is that you refuse to allow the world to dictate to you, to tell you how to prioritize your life. And essentially, you've come to this conviction that we as Christians have. This conviction is this. Those who do not serve God do not get to tell us how to prioritize our lives. Those who don't serve God do not get to tell us 
what kinds of priorities we have in our life. After all, if they're not serving God above all things, their own priorities are out of whack. So by virtue of what do we give them permission to speak into our lives to tell us how it is that we need to order our lives? And this is very important because if you're talking to someone in your family or in your friends or maybe someone at work who does not share your fundamental convictions about what God has done for you and what he's won for you, you need to take what they're saying about priorities with a huge grain of salt, maybe a stone of salt or a rock of salt, right? Sometimes people just don't know what they don't know. And when we're on our way to the promised land, when we're, when we're kind of well-situated on the right track, we refuse to have the, the world and the culture dictate to us our priorities, what we need to be outraged about, what we need to be incensed about, what we need to be most concerned about. One of the main reasons why I preach often against putting politics above God isn't just because that's idolatrous. It certainly is. But it's that when we put politics of God above, above God, we're no longer capable of seeing what is true. We've lost our frame of reference and we've given over our ability to see what is true to a frame of reference or to a, a kind of a narrative that is not fully true. And thereby, it's easy for us to give our, our hearts and our minds to things of the world rather than the things of God. When we have it properly ordered, we have our minds on God, it's precisely then that we can see that the, where the politics are incorrect, where they don't capture reality. But when we put that above God, we lose our ability to see. And so it, it's something that we need to keep in mind because if we lose our ability to see the truth, we might be distracted about where we're going especially in a world that is increasingly secular, which is attempting to see reality without reference to God and what he's done in Jesus. And thereby we're at risk of losing everything. So we know we're on the right track when we basically are refusing to, to allow the world to dictate to us what our priorities are or what's most important in life. Number four, you know you're on the right track when, you're, when as, a parent, as a parent, you're leading your children in the faith. Most parents know they have a sacred responsibility of leading their children to come to know God and to follow him, to teach them by word and example. Notice Joshua's conviction in today's first reading. He's saying to Israel, you have to decide today who is it that you're going to serve. But he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The strong determination to serve the Lord. Now, I know it's very difficult to be a parent today. I minister to a lot of families and parents. And it's not just difficult because life is busy, right? There there's, seems to be more busyness today with our interconnectivity and our devices and, and everything going on in our culture and that parents have a lot of pressure on them. It's not just difficult because of that. It's difficult because our children are influenced so easily by our surrounding culture, through media, through entertainment, through their brothers and sisters, through their friends, maybe their cousins. They're being influenced and perhaps being influenced to believe something that's not true, to do something that's not good for them, and to maybe not care about the fact that we're on our way to the promised land. And so it's very, very difficult for many parents. One of the things that I'm assured by is that for a lot of parents who get it, 
they know they, they, they need to show to their children how serious they are and how inflexible their commitment is to God, that God is the center of their life. So the children see them praying, see them going to mass on Sunday, see that God and the teachings of the Bible and the church mean something in their life, to see their parents repenting and to taking seriously their commitments to their faith. And something that is, that is um, kind of, something that we see often is that sometimes when parents, they say that they are faithful to God, but they, they don't really go to mass on Sunday, right? They don't pray. They don't really repent, and, and God is basically irrelevant to their pursuits in life. Children will not be taught how to learn to follow God, and they'll most likely forget about the promised land that Jesus has won for them. And they will be very, very vulnerable to the, the enemy, which might overwhelm them later in life. So you know you're on the right track then when, that when, as a parent, you are leading your children in practicing the faith. And number five, when we fail to worship, when we recognize that we have, we have fallen short, we quickly have recourse to God's mercy. You see, those of us who know who God is know that nothing delights him more than to have mercy on us. We know that as we approach him, that God is not a God who is against us, right? So the God who saves us from our enemies, he saves us for the promised land, is wanting to do everything he can to bring us there. And so we know that he's not against us, but that he's for us. And that he's giving us all that we need. And that we're radically honest when we have placed something above him in the priority of our life. That's a sign of health. Let me repeat that. Repenting often is a sign of health, not a sign of sickness. When we lack repentance, it's a sign that we're either not aware of what's going on in our life, or we're not really truly sorry for putting something else above God. The truth is, my brothers and sisters, that there's a, there's a lot at stake when it comes to who we choose to worship and who we choose not to worship. Right, just like Joshua is calling the, the Israelites to repentance so that they can take full possession of the land, the land that God has already given to them, we need to choose today and every single day of our life, who is it that we're going to serve so that we can take possession of the land that God has given to us? The land is ours. All we need to do is to trust God and to follow him. And the good news is, is that every single time we come to Mass, we have an opportunity to renew our covenant with God, right? At the beginning of Mass, we have the penitential rite. That's when I, I say, or Father Miguel says, let us now call to mind our sins so that we might celebrate these mysteries more worthily. The purpose of that rite is to, for us to recognize all the different ways throughout the week we have worshiped false gods, that we placed other priorities above him, and it's a time for us to repent of them, to lay them down so that we can enter into divine worship to praise and thank the living God for who, who has saved us, who is saving us, who is going to save us. And so every time we come to Mass, we can renew our covenant so that we can be faithful to him and take possession of the land that God has given to us. And so I want to take this opportunity right now to allow all of you to renew your covenant with him to decide once again today to serve the living God. So I want to invite all of you to bow your heads. And I want you to recognize right now that the God who has saved you is very, very near you. And he loves you. 
If you're ready to make this recommitment, I want you to repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from sin and death. Thank you for giving me the promise of living, living with you forever. And I repent for putting anything above you and for not trusting in you. And so today I decide once again to serve you, to worship you, and to follow you. Give me your grace and strength to be faithful to you so that when I die, I might joyfully take possession of the eternal promised land that you won for me. Amen.